everybody to the nations worldwide this is episode 82 of the travel couple podcast where we introduce you to couple travelers who offer their advice on how you can travel the world together while earning money living that travel lifestyle we're your hosts mike pletz and natalie tune in every wednesday as we interview couples living a travel lifestyle get relationship advice about being on the road with your significant other and listen how others are struggling and thriving in their personal and business lives while traveling the world this is your one-stop podcast for travel relationship and business goals in this episode we're joined by alexandra and david of and they travel they are adventurers digital nomads and photographers and we talked to them today about living the van life together traveling around alaska and photographing the northern lights it's a really incredible interview and you need to check them out on their instagram at and they travel to see the photos that they've got captured there it's really amazing and i apologize in advance for the sound quality on my end of the interview however alexandra and david their sound quality is great so just bear with me when i am speaking during this interview so without further ado here's our interview with alexandra and david Today we are joined by Alexandra and David of And They Travel. They are adventurers, digital nomads, photographers, and a travel couple living that van life and exploring the world together while documenting their travels on Instagram. You can follow them on their Instagram at And They Travel and their soon-to-be-launched website, AndTheyTravel.com. Hello, Alexandra and David, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your day and joining us here. Let's just get started to get to learn a little bit more about the two of you. Can you give our audience a little rundown about how you two met and uh, up to the point where where you two are right now? That sounds great. Um, Well, I'm Alexandra, and this is, of course, David. Um, We met 10 years ago, actually, in college. We went to the University of Miami. And we met actually working on a short film. We're both in the film industry. That's our backgrounds. And we kind of met. He was the director of photography. And we had this crazy immediate connection. And um, that was 10 years ago. And then we, after college, moved out to Las Vegas working in the film industry. And before we knew it, we were in Vegas for five years. And time was just kind of flying by. We never meant to stay in Vegas so long. It wasn't where we wanted to live our life. So within like a couple weeks, we were like, you know what? We need to shake things up. We sold our house, half of everything we, we owned, and just kind of moved across the world. We went to uh, Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, and then eventually we came back to the U.S. and bought the van. So that's kind of our trajectory. And uh, we're also photographers, and that's kind of how we... Uh, travel around and we do video graphics and still work in the film industry amazing yeah amazing so when you guys decided to start living this van life where did you buy the van and where did you start traveling in the van uh we've been in the van almost six months um we bought the van when we were in we were in california for a couple months and we, I knew I wanted a van. I knew I wanted to do the van life. I knew it was perfect for the way we work and travel. We kind of travel a lot slower and just having that base with us was ideal. So uh, I just kind of searched online and eventually found the perfect van. I wanted to do a build out, but David talked me out of it. <laughs> he said, 
we have other skill sets, you know, we'll just work and, you know, buy a van that was mostly built out. And then we made changes from there. Still the best decision we made. <laughs> I see a lot of people like trying to, yeah, put the insulation and the cabinetry. And it's like, it's just something I want to learn. But if I had to figure it out, it just wouldn't have worked. But yeah. yeah, no, you were, you were like hounding like Craigslist, Facebook, like yeah. everywhere for the perfect van. And we found it and it was in Portland. And so we like talked to the guy and we're like, we're going to fly up and get it. He's like, you're crazy. Uh, if you, if you could send me a picture of your plane tickets, then I won't know you're not crazy and I won't sell it to someone else. And so we did. And he's like, all right, you're crazy. Let's do this. So we flew up, got the van and drove it back down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still would love to do a build, but, you know, some of us have different skill sets. We're more tech. You know, we could, you know, computer stuff. Yes. Building, not so much. <laughs> Amazing. So this van, can you give our audience a little rundown of maybe what's inside of it? What kind of things you have with it? Sure. Um, well, we uh, have a 2017 Ram Promaster. It's um, 136 wheelbase, so it's one of the shorter vans. It fits like perfectly in a parking lot. And um, we have a sink, a stove, heat heater, a fridge, and then we also have a table that like folds down into a bed. So we always have a workspace because we uh, we are digital nomads. We always work on the road, and having like somewhere to set up our computers was key. So, yeah, it's it's like a it's like a little micro apartment. Yeah, you can you can stand in it. Um, the bed with all our blankets is very comfortable in terms yeah. of just like staying warm. Oh, right now we're in Alaska, so it's starting to get pretty cold. We're yeah. all the way up in Fairbanks, which and, is uh, if you yeah. look on the map, is like very north. <laughs> it's like almost up to the Arctic Circle. So. Um, this is our first winter in the van, so it will test our resolve. I don't think we're going to, we're not going to stay up here much longer, but um, living in the van in the winter is going to be pretty crazy. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. Now, with travel, uh, I find that couples, you know, they have a background of travel or one influences the other a little bit more because they have that background of travel. What's what's your case? Who who kind of influenced the other to get out there and travel more? Uh, or, or did you both really come into the re relationship with this love of travel? Uh, well, it, it was interesting for me because growing up, my family traveled a lot and I was kind of like a moody teenager about the whole thing. So, like, I traveled, like, to Spain and, and Italy and, like, all over the Caribbean and South America. It's just so, like, I traveled a lot and it was always, like, fun. But by the time I got to college, I was more, like, career focused. And so I kind of, like, put it behind me. as like, okay, like, maybe on vacations I travel again. But it was nothing that was really I was, like, dying to do. And then I think our first big trip we did, we went to Israel. Yeah. And then we got to, we got to go with your sisters as well. And it was, like, this is, like, a lot of fun to travel with, like, people your own age and, like, people you you know like not just your immediate family and it really changed things up and then from there we, we traveled to paris and then we, and we did and then obviously the really big move yeah was yeah. out to australia yeah yeah we, we actually we went to paris for three months um we my sister was studying abroad and i never studied abroad in college and i was like yeah we're coming with you so like me and my two sisters all and david all went to paris together for three months and we we love the combination of travel and living. Um, we're not someone who likes to go places for two, three days and then hop on the, the train and go somewhere else. We really like to immerse ourselves in places. So to like stay places for longer periods of time is like how we love to, to travel. Incredible. Yeah. And 
I want to get talking to you to a little bit more about your travels and everywhere you've been together. But before I jump into this, I like to ask a simple two-word question to all the couples that come on the show. It's a simple question, but for so many couples, it has such a complex response. And that is, why travel? Um, I'm going to answer it. Why not? <laughs> now, travel is amazing. It really just opens your eyes to so much that the world exists has to offer and we're very nature focused we love the land the sky the sea i mean we're not really big city people and when you grow up in a small town or you live one place your whole life you're very you don't understand that like the beauty the world has to hold but yeah you could look at some photos and we're photographers you know like photos really speak to us but when you see something with your own eyes it like really just awaken something inside of you and you just want more you want to see more you want to you're like how is this even possible how is the world so beautiful and that's why we travel it's just to see more of it Mm -hmm. and i like that you said you know once you see a part of the world you just want to see more of it and i find that with our list of destinations it only grows more and more and more it never goes down it's true Uh, i want to travel when we bought the van david made me promise that we would stay in north america for at least a year and like you know really commit about like there's so many places I want to go but even here in just like the U.S. and Canada like my list is huge like people I think don't really understand the beauty that he is here in the U.S. and it's absolutely incredible so yeah I want to travel abroad I mean there's so many places like I want to go to Iceland like now but um here in the U.S., there's a, so much to see. You know, you could spend years exploring this country and still not even fully understand it. I loved everything you said. For me, it's like if if I'm not traveling and I'm just living either in an apartment or with family or whatever for a while, like I really fall into these like kind of old habits and get kind of slow and life gets kind of stale and routine. And I'll like, you know, sleep in late, like stay up, like working late and like just kind of fall into these old routines. And like, um, when I travel, it kind of forces you, like, even if things are kind of uncomfortable or there's less time to do the work you need to do, it kind of forces you like, okay, I've got like two hours to get this done and it gets done as opposed to back when I'm like living at home and it's like, all right, well, I've got all day or all week. So like things just take longer and things don't get done and life flies by a lot faster and it's not as much fun or interesting or exciting or adventurous. So for me, it's like I, I have to travel to just keep things interesting, just to keep me alive and like refreshed, you know, like on top of all the amazing experiences. It's just for me, like my mindset is just always more active and like awake when when I'm always on the move. You're, kind of uncomfortable is actually a good thing. Yeah, your days are more intentional. Every day you wake up with kind of like, I want to do this today, whether it's work or travel related, hiking, exploring, you know, every every moment has more of a purpose as opposed to just going through the motions. And we kind of love that. We love that intention in life and having a reason or a reason and a want. Yeah. Like every time we slow down and, and like stay at an apartment for like for like a month, it's like I look back and I'm like, what like what did we do what that we month? Do? It just flew by like. But when we're in the van or we're traveling and just every day is like, oh, yeah, we did that that day. Oh, remember that? Like, you have more memories. Definitely. Definitely. Now, where were the two of you last? Uh, We've talked a little bit about where you are right now, but where are you going to be traveling to next after this? You know what? That's a really good question. David, where are we going? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Well, we 
so when we got the van, we started in like California and then to Las Vegas area where we left our stuff in a storage unit. And then we basically said like, well, we want to be in, in Alaska in the summer. So we have like, you know, five months or so to just get up yeah. here. So we drove through um, a lot of national parks in the U.S. on the way up. Uh, Grand Tetons, yeah. Glacier, uh, Yellowstone, parks. just incredible spots. And we spent like a week or two in each one of those. But the most recent one we were at was in Canada. And we were in Banff National Park. That was that was awesome. So we kind of don't know where we're heading next. Uh, we're yeah. as pretty far <laughs> north as we can drive. So, of course, we're going to head south. And uh, we might go back to Banff. We might hit. We don't really kind of have an itinerary. So all I could say is south. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I want to talk to you to a little bit more about Alaska because it's one of those places that we don't hear often on our podcasts about people going there. And I don't know why. I, I think it's it looks like such a beautiful place. And for one thing in particular, which has shown up recently on your feed, the Northern Lights. Is this something that really drew you guys there to Alaska? Was this something that you definitely had bookmarked and definitely wanted to see? A hundred percent. This is actually our second summer here. We came here last year and we were absolutely hooked. And now that we had the van, uh, we wanted to drive up and we came here last year through a cruise, which is how most people come. Yeah. So we did a one way cruise where they just um, you got to go to a di bunch of different areas of Alaska, which are kind of only accessible by boat or, or, or plane. And then they, we dropped you off in uh, Seward, which is kind of like the southern like below Anchorage area. So from there, we, you know, ended up living in Anchorage area and rented a car and stuff and traveled, but not as much as we wanted to. So this year we had to come back. We had to come back. And the Northern Lights are absolutely incredible. They they start coming out in September and which is at the end of the summer season. So if I definitely recommend September because it's like you get a little bit of the fall super early here in Alaska. It's a very short season, but the Northern Lights are absolutely incredible and it just takes your breath away and i've been crying like every day this week because it's absolutely magical but there's a lot more there's so much here there if you're a nature fanatic and an adventurer there's so Wild much to life. do yeah we've got we've got ice climbing on glaciers kayaking and like misty moody fjords it's so gorgeous and if you're a wildlife photographer you know moose and bears it's and it's absolutely incredible here we kind of really like it um We've always been looking at every time we drive around, we're like, yeah, that cabin. I want to buy that cabin. That's my cabin. I'm going to ask them if that cabin's for sale. One day. But One I don't day. think we could survive the winter here. Um, even right now, it's like 28 degrees and, and it's not even snowing and we're almost at our limit. <laughs> yeah, it's like first week of October right now. And it's kind of like the shoulder season where it starts to get rainy and like snow is coming any day. We can we can just feel it. But. I'm not opposed to a summer cabin here in Alaska in the future. <laughs> gotcha. So what, what are the best times to see the Northern Lights in Alaska? Uh, it's definitely from like September to like March, uh, April, give or take a few weeks. It's the winter time. So September is always a great time because it's not too cold yet and you don't usually have snow. But uh, you come here in the winter and it's all weather dependent. You need clear skies and usually a high KP index, which is how you measure aurora activity. But the wintertime, uh, if you're not afraid of snow and you could drive in the snow, yeah, come here in December, come here in January. It's it's super amazing with the with the snowy trees. 
we've yet to do that, but I've seen some photographs that look amazing. Now, can you give our audience one more thing that they absolutely need to do in Alaska? I know on your Instagram, you two have some beautiful pictures of some amazing things that you've done, amazing places that you've visited there. But what is one more thing other than the Northern Lights that people need to do if they visit Alaska? Um, definitely go on a glacier. Oh, that, yeah. That is, without a doubt. Um, glaciers... while, while they're still here, they're yeah. all receding so fast. Yeah. Even the ones we saw last year are like, like you know, hundreds of feet less than they were. Like, they're, they're constantly receding. But there, there's some insane glaciers, and some of them you can walk right on top of. Yeah. And it's just like a such a life-changing experience. It's just like standing on these areas that you know are like so many hundreds of thousands of years old and like pretty cool and it's not it's not like snow it's 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 like literally a block of ice and sometimes there's blue ice and there's these crevasses and it's so gorgeous um sometimes you need to take a helicopter and land on them some of them are accessible through a short or long hike and um if you're if it's your first time on a glacier, I def- definitely recommend going on a guide because, you know, they are very they could be and are very dangerous. But there are some that um, are accessible without a guide. You do. I do recommend having like spikes on your shoes. Um, what are they called? So, yeah, so they're like crampons. Yeah, crampons. Which is a funny name, but it's uh, yeah, it's just these like things you put on your feet that have like nice spikes to keep you from slipping. Yeah. We got some nice ones called micro spikes that kind of are like smaller, that are portable, that are rubber, but have like metal pieces on them. So we can go on ones that are not quite as slippery. So th- those have been a good investment. Those are so good for like, you know, snowy hikes as well. But um, definitely recommend going on a glacier with a tour guide initially because, you know, I'm not, I'm not recommending go, 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 go running on some ice. Technically never know like, yeah, like what area is thin or narrow, but there are some popular glaciers where, you know, you can totally tell where, where it's safe. Yeah. And they're, they're really amazing. I mean, I can't even describe being on glaciers. It's just so surreal. It's, it's really cool. And you could like drink water. Like if there's like a water running, like that's some of the purest water on the planet is from the glaciers. Right. And then here and even in parts of Canada are amazing, too, because you can actually hike even higher and see the ice fields. Yeah. Which are these like massive, like like it feels like an ocean of ice, mm-hmm. which is basically where glaciers come from. They're just pieces of ice that are breaking off from these ice fields or that are melting, kind of slowly moving away from them. So it's it's just really cool to see this other like ecosystem of the planet that you just never would see in your life if you didn't journey out here. Absolutely. I love it. And Alaska is definitely on our list of places to go. So it's great to get this advice here. Now, I want to start talking to the two of you about experiences when you're traveling, because with travel comes so many different types of experiences. And we want to get into them with you with the good, the bad and the ugly. And I want to start with what has been the most rewarding traveling experience that you two have gone through together? Something that really just took your breath away or uh, made you amazed with this world or like an experience with a local that just made you fall in love with a place anything that was just the most rewarding travel experience together uh, this is actually you know pretty easy um our first experience that kind of reawakened our love in nature was in new zealand yeah we uh we had it that was our first time we, we did a camper van we were in new zealand for two months and it just opened our eyes to this way of travel and living and nature being right outside your front door. And I think it just kind of like, we were hooked. We were like, we, we need to do more of this. And 
it was pretty cool because when we landed in New Zealand, I knew nothing. We've been traveling um, Southeast Asia for a couple months in Australia, and I knew nothing about New Zealand besides, you know, this is where they film Lord of the Rings. This is Middle Earth, <laughs> and we're the biggest Lord of the Rings fans. But I knew nothing about where to go. Like, I didn't know names of places. And it was our first time just kind of being like, well, we know nothing. Let's just drive off into the wilderness. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, previous to, to New Zealand, we were in Southeast Asia. And you had everything planned to a T. Like, we knew every night where we were going to stay, what what boat to catch, what, you know, like, we had all our plane tickets booked. Like, we were really really prepared and everything was planned like perfectly so like while we still had time to like explore and stuff it wasn't like oh this is great let's stay here an extra day it's like no 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 we have to be you know we have to catch our plane to thailand tomorrow so here it was really cool because like after that for about a month we kind of came to new zealand with like nothing and we had our we had our rv and it was just like really cool to just kind of you know go with the flow and just like experience it and figure it out as we went and talk to people and look at old maps because <laughs> yeah, the it, it, internet would come and go. There's like a, it's just a big open area. It's, it's, it really does feel like middle earth. It's, it's everything that you think it would be. New yeah. Zealand. So when we came back from America, we knew like this, this is what we were hooked on nature and living in a van and kind of like this open ended, non itinerized form of travel and living. Amazing, amazing. And it's so nice to hear those stories. And I want to turn it into another direction and ask you to, what has been your most awkward, embarrassing, or even hilarious travel experience that you've had together? We were at Horseshoe Bend in Arizona. It's a really popular spot to like, um, it's also super dangerous. I really hope they had like a guardrail one day. So many people get right up to the edge to take photos yeah, of this amazing it, river bend. It's a big Instagram spot. It's this gorgeous bend in the river in Arizona and uh, super if you, pretty. Yeah, if you see a photo, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. But um, it's gotten so popular that the parking lot kind of hasn't like grown to accommodate all these people. So uh, Yeah, so the, the, the parking lot's packed and it's just a giant dirt lot. And so at the time we were renting an RV. And so we had this, like, again, like a 25-foot RV. And so we're, like, in the corner of the lot, but still kind of, like, blocking a lot of people. So we were leaving. And then um, we didn't really have a good backup camera. We had this, like, small portable one we put on. So I had her step outside and kind of help me back up. And I don't know where you were looking, but I backed up perfectly into this giant ditch that's, like, the only giant hole in the whole parking lot. So we got completely stuck in there. And tried everything we could to get out. Like, so stuck. I don't yeah. know if you, like, RVs, but they have, like, this big, like, kind of butt. So they have a tire and then, like, this big end on the end. And we had managed to get one of the wheels in this huge ditch. Like, the tire wasn't even on the ground anymore. And the butt of the RV was, like, on the floor. So we, there was no traction. You couldn't drive out. And we were stuck. And there was hordes of people staring at us being like, yeah, look like, at these two idiots. What right? do they do? Like, how could you possibly not see this giant hole? And so people had to, like, you know, meander, like, around us in this, in this we're, like, super popular, like, giant dirt lot. And, like, people kept trying to help. So we Actually, had people. people were really helpful. Yeah, people were nice. Yeah, they were, like, giving us, like, pieces of rug and, like, cardboard to shove under the wheel. And we're like. This is not going to help, guys. We've tried everything. And so, I got so yeah. awkward there. Like, there was a time, like, there was, like, a horde of people just staring and pointing at us. And I just, like, kind of, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I went into the RV, and I'm like, I'm going to just start drinking because I can't handle this awkwardness yeah. anymore. There was, like, a tour bus of people just staring at us. And taking photos. And uh, <laughs> so eventually, finally, uh, you know, AAA got there, and, like, this guy, um, the tow truck was like, all right. 
I think I could do this. Yeah. So like, fortunately he was able to pull and like, I'm amazed, like not only the RV fit in this lot, but this like tow truck could also fit in this lot. Like, I don't know how, but thankfully maybe it wasn't his first time, (laughs) but I called and I was like, Hey, uh, yeah. in the horseshoe bend parking lot. He's like, yeah, I know where that is. I'll, I'll be there in like an hour. So it took us about like three hours to get out of this thing, but he got us out. And then at the end he was like, um, this is going to be tricky, but if we can just do like 50 bucks cash, I'm like, yes, sure. Whatever. That sounds perfect. We just want to go. (laughs) Yeah. So we got out and never went back. (laughs) It was a good learning experience in terms of when you're driving in a, in a bigger vehicle to always like, you know, survey your surroundings, especially before. (laughs) For me. Yeah. (laughs) Or just, yeah, just, uh, yeah, exactly. Excellent, excellent story to share, guys. And it's it's great to to hear the kind of lighter side that of of travel that you can look back on and you can laugh, even though in the moment it was probably very stressful and uh, a lot of things to get through for sure. Yeah, it was more because there were so many people there. I guess if we were in the middle of nowhere, I mean, that would also be stressful. But like, you wouldn't have people like staring at you and taking photos. Now, with travel, with these, with the good times and the times that you can look back on and laugh, there's also those bad times, and we all have them when we travel, and it's all about, you know, how you get past them and move forward in your trip to kind of uh, keep a good memory of it. Do you two have a really bad or your worst travel experience that you'd want to share? Uh, this this um, worst travel experience it's actually you know we're very fortunate we haven't had many really bad travel experiences knock on wood i'm like knocking on the side of our van right now but um one one experience does come to mind and it was when we were in um kotao thailand uh it's a small island in thailand and um we had hired a long boat for the day you know those uh, big long wooden boats like how would you describe them it's like it's like kind of like a canoe, but like big enough for a few people with like a really small motor on the back that a guy uh, like like hand powers and directs the boat. Yeah. So we hired one for like a tour of the island and we went, you know, um, snorkeling and went to explore different parts of the island. And it was a gorgeous day. And all of a sudden the sky turned black and this huge rain thunderstorm rolls in and these massive waves appear out of nowhere. Like, like it was like the perfect storm. It was like taller than us. And even our driver who was like, this kind of like surly, really like, you know, composed chill man was like staring at us with like these open eyes being like, I hope you guys can swim, you know? (laughs) So we're thinking like, we're going to topple over and I'm like kind of, and then the rain starts pouring down and like freezing rain, freezing rain and buckets. Like, uh, like there's like a foot of um, water in the boat now. And actually at the time, were we engaged? Yeah. Yeah. We, so we, um, we were secretly engaged at this time. We had gotten engaged a couple months, a couple weeks before when we were in Bali, but we hadn't told anyone, not even our family. We didn't post anything online. And because we decided that this was like kind of, we weren't ready to like share this with the world. We just wanted to like make, make it more our our own thing and it made the whole trip more romantic and it was like this kind of like secret thing and um but then all of a sudden this rainstorm comes in and we're thinking like oh my god this is karma for not telling everyone and so david takes out the gopro and starts to record our last will and testament and we start like telling our families we love them and we're sorry we didn't tell them about our engagement but we're super happy and you know this is how we're going to go that we're okay with it. Um, 
And it was it was a pretty thrilling and a little really scary experience. It, it was nuts because like like the the boat's so small and the waves are easily twice the size of the boat. And the guy was really good. He was like a really muscular dude. And every boat has like a name on the side, and his was called Hulk. And this guy looked like the Hulk. Like he was a cool dude. And so we were like driving around the island. And actually, it was extra funny because we only drove like an hour. But then we wanted to go the long way all the way back around the island, which was like well over an hour, I think. And then so the storm before came. the storm came. So like we're like, oh, shit, we should have just gone the other way, which is the shorter way. But now we're going the long way around these massive. Um, and like the dude didn't speak English all that well. So every now and then he would stop and be like, here's a good snorkel spot. And we're like, we don't want to snorkel. Just take us home. Like all the Although, but the funny thing is I actually went the first time because it's warm, so much warmer in the water than it was in the boat. Cause we're like in Thailand where we had like pretty much no clothes on where we're like freezing. And so every time that the boat would like pass one of these peninsulas, I'm like, I'm like, all right, here we are. Here's the shore. And then we just keep going for another half an hour. And then like, all right, here's another one. Okay. Here we are here back to the hotel. Nope. Nope. Another. It was, it was just the longest trip ever of like, when are we ever going to get back? And the guy had to keep going like out to sea in order to like not go parallel with the waves. We wouldn't capsize. So it just like kept going and going. And it was just like, the hilarity of like the madness of what was going on got us through. We finally made it back. And I think I I jumped off the boat and like kissed the sand and like Dave was like shaking the hand of our driver. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I thought we weren't going to make it at Mm -hmm. one point. And David like literally gives him all the money he has in in his wallet, like three times what the boat was worth just to be like, thank you for getting us back alive. (laughs) That is a great, great story. And with all these experiences comes, puts your relationship through so much together and helps you, you know, overcome these problems that you have on the road and creates really great memories. But how do you feel traveling has affected your relationship together? And in what aspects has it really affected your relationship together? Before we started traveling full time, um, we were actually we were already living and working together. We already been together for seven years before we decided to like sell everything and like travel full time. So we were already very tuned into each other and each other's like nuances and quirks. And we were very, we didn't like we already lived in a t- um, in a town where we didn't really know a lot of people. So it was just always us. And you know we've been working together for so long. So when we started traveling it really forced us to like just be really honest with each other. And like, there was no games. There was no like, Oh, what is he thinking? What does she want? You have, you're forced to like kind of tell you tell the other person how you're feeling, what you need to really just get through the day. Um, giving the Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just obviously like a, a lot of good stuff. I mean, I guess I'll just quickly get out like the, the hard, some of the hard stuff of traveling, I guess is, um, it's like, especially when you're in a van, you're just having a lot of limited space. And also it's not always super comfortable and you don't always know like what's going to happen next. Or if I'm, if I like, like for me, like if I like have to send an email, but I don't have enough like email, like um, if I don't have enough internet reception to like send something, I just like, I'm like really hard to talk to <laughs> like until I get like some internet to send that out or something. So it's like, um, like kind of just since, you only have the other person next to you. You know, sometimes you have that frustration and it's hard not to like direct that frustration at each other. So, you know, like there's nowhere to really escape to. So it's just kind of the two of you and you kind of just deal with the good and the bad, like, you know, but like she said, we already kind of knew each other's 
quirks and like there's there's no new information to find out after all this time together like if David's in a bad mood, I know it's because he needs internet. And if I'm in a bad mood, (laughs) he knows I need to eat because I get hangry. So it's just, it's just really being aware of the other person's like wants and needs and, you know, and balancing that between, you know, your travel itinerary. Sometimes, you know, you got to take the other person into account more than like where we need to go and when, where we need to be at a certain time. It's always good to, you know, step back and, you know, it's, it's always the relationship first. I like that you said, you know, you understood each other before you went traveling. And not only that, but you knew each other's wants and needs, which which helped you when you went traveling together. Now, what has been more difficult or, or is there a difference uh, between traveling to another country and, uh, you know, not necessarily having a vehicle or being in a van together, traveling the country uh, where you're from, but being in a van together almost 24-7. Which one's more difficult, or is there that much of a difference when you're traveling as a couple? It's very different between like having your own vehicle and not having one um, in, a new, in a different country. The difference being that when we go abroad, I get very type A. I plan everything out. I know where we're going, where we're staying, what we're going to do. But when we're in the van, everything's kind of very free-spirited, and we kind of just go with the flow. So it's easy to adapt. If something, if we like somewhere, we stay. If we need internet, we have a lot of work to do. We, we figure that out. So, but when you are on, on a tight schedule, you kind of have to, like, you know, it's like, oh, we have to be on a plane. It's like, well, I need to send this email. That's where our frustration comes from is like when we're locked into schedules and, you know, we have things to do or, or one of us doesn't isn't in the mood for something. Another part of traveling, too, is that like when we're traveling abroad, like if we go out to eat, like it's important, especially for you, that like we go to like a good place, yeah. you know, it's like we're only going to be, in, you know, in like um, Italy, in like so Vietnam or wherever. Yeah. For like a few days, so, like wherever we're going to eat better be like well reviewed, better be good food, like all this good stuff. I'm right. So, foodie. so it's like, yeah. So it's like whenever we're like, yeah, need a place to eat or something or another country. Yeah. That's always like, like takes a while to find something. And I'm like, how about here? And she's like, wait, 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 let me check online and make mm-hmm. sure it's good. No, 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 no. This place won't do. And I'm like, we're stopping. Let's just eat. But when we're traveling in the van, we can always, you know, we have get some groceries. Yeah. We can always cook ourselves and stuff or like, there's a little less pressure to go to like the best whatever whatever so it's like you know not like pressure but you know what i mean it's just like um it's definitely a little easier it's like a little less because when you're shopping another country you definitely have a limited amount of time that you're there unless you're you know fully nomadically living there you know for a while so when you're even in the u.s when you're going from state to state i don't know it's been a little less like wanting to eat around the country it's been a little more about the nature and the photography yeah the van is more of a lifestyle as we see it as opposed to traveling um this is how we live we live in the van we have you know a kitchen we we work on the road um it's funny like whenever we're on our computers somewhere people like we're in a national park working and some like old lady was like oh what are you doing enjoy your vacation why are you on the computer and, it's, and i'm thinking like she doesn't understand this we're not on, we're not on holiday this is how we live you know yeah we, and, we've been there for like two weeks already like yeah. we, 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 we've been up since like sunrise and i'm like all right it's like 7 p.m now i gotta get to work so yeah so it's it's very much a balance and that's why i, I honestly i prefer the van life it just <laughs> it gives us the ability to like travel how we want and yeah, I want to go abroad again. And I'm like, I love, like, I do love planning my things, but I really love the freedom that the van, the van offers. 
Now, with your with your trips uh, in, in a van, and uh, as you said, you, you're kind of a little bit more free spirited. But there's also things that you need to you take into factor, like uh, where you're going next, how you're going to get there, planning out your route, and also driving, and all these things that you need to consider. Who takes care of what in all this? Like, who's driving? Do you guys take turns driving? Uh, who's planning? You know what you're going to do in a specific day or who's going to take care of where you're going to eat. How does this all get split up between the two of you? I'd say we're pretty cliche. Um, she does pretty much all the travel, all, all the planning. And I do like pretty much all the driving. And I'm just like, just put it in my Google maps and I'll take us there. Like I, I really like, and then she has to take like a day or two to explain like, all right, so we're going to this area. And then this is like, you know, where, where the national park is. And then this is where we're going to camp for the night. And I'm like, okay, wait, so back up. <laughs> so like, I'm pretty directionally, uh, you know, limited. So she just helps take care of like pretty much all of that. And then I'll get us there. That's I, I tell much. David <laughs> what he needs to know when he needs to know it. Uh, um, cause I honestly, I don't really know until like we're doing it. And that's, um, I, I have um, a couple hikes that we like a couple uh, that we want to do um, photo spots, but everything's very loose. Um, I do have like a lot of pins in my Google Maps. It's kind of how I plan is I, I save things in my Google Maps. And like whenever we're near somewhere, I'm like, oh, I have a pink pin. Let's drive here. You know, so I literally I put it in his phone. We put it in the GPS and, and then we're off. And so uh, I try not to like tell him more than he needs to know. And I'm like, today we're going to go do this. Any you have any questions? He's like, nope. <laughs> so that's about it. Gotcha. I love that for sure. And do you two have any more advice for a couple out there that might want to pursue this van life? Any advice in terms of their relationship and what they should focus on or uh, just in van life in general? Definitely before like buying a van and jumping into it, I really recommend just renting. Um, or just even some mini camping trips, throw a, you know, sleeping bag in the back of a car. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just put yourself in, in the situation where you can, you know, basically have to figure things out together. Um, you know, get uncomfortable together, kind of live on top of each other and, you know, like needing space and someone has to kind of move out of the way for the other person and having to explain your thoughts. And it's, it, it can be tough, I think, to just jump into it without any sort of, you know, like trial run. Like for us, we, we did New Zealand. We rented an RV in the U.S. like to travel for like about a month. So like before we bought the van, like we had done this several times before and we knew it was exactly what we, what we wanted. And we and, knew what to expect. Yeah. And like both those vehicles were like were like bigger than we wanted. So we knew that we could make it work in a small space. We wanted that mobility. We wanted to be a little more covert and stuff with 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 how we lived and parked and all that. So it, it was good to have those like trial runs. Um, that way you really know what you're getting yourselves into. Yeah, and exactly. Because um, one of the hardest things when you're, when you're living on the road full time is where you're going to sleep every night. Because um, it isn't financially feasible to like, always be paying for campgrounds. They could range from like, you know, 20 to $60 a night. And then at that point, you know, you might as well have a mortgage. <laughs> So there is a lot of ways to free camp around the U.S. There are a lot of apps you can use, but um, you always have to figure that out. And, you know, sometimes you need to scout locations, make sure your van can drive the road or that it's a safe location. So these are just little things that I don't think are as talked about because van life have got, has gotten very glamorized through Instagram. But these, this is the reality of van life. It's not always, you know, pretty pictures and picture perfect. You know, you're living in a small space, you know, and 
you know, and you're not really sure where you're going to sleep every night. So these are things you got to make sure you're very well aware of before, you know, go out and buy a van. And, and, but having someone with you as you're figuring it out is absolutely like, you know, amazing. You know, there are a lot of solo travelers and I, I respect them so much, but when you're traveling, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. (laughs) I when but when you're traveling with your partner, and you have that someone there to like help you and like I'm like hey I have a couple um campgrounds I'm not um campsites for tonight I'm not sure where we should go so it's nice to have someone to like bounce that off of or if you're just tired or not feeling well like the other person can pick up the slack yeah. or just like if you're just like kind of you know every now and then you kind of freeze up and you're like I don't like too many decisions to make in a day like can you just tell me where we're gonna eat yeah. like I don't know so it, it's I definitely recommend doing a test run, making sure you like living in nature. When we're not big city people, we do avoid big cities. But don't don't get distracted by the glamour of van life because there are a lot of realities that you know you have to be aware of before you go out and like get a van. But it has a lot of amazing opportunities that it affords you. Excellent, excellent advice. Now I want to start talking about what the two of you have got going on. Online on Instagram with and they travel. Starting with, where did the name and they travel come from? Can you give us a little uh, evolution as to how this came about? Yeah, I can answer this. Um, actually, the Instagram actually started as my own thing. I liked taking all the photos and posting, but I wasn't always comfortable just always being on the forefront. I didn't like it just being kind of like me, and that kind of morphed into kind of our thing because we're both photographers, we're both videographers. And when we started and they travel, we had gone back and forth on names for a while, right? Yeah. We, yeah. Like a, a big piece of it, obviously, in like today's age is, you know, making sure that the website uh, URL is available. So it has to be like some whatever dot com like is available. So that's like the most important thing. So we had gone yeah. back and forth. And eventually when we, we decided on and they travel is the reasoning behind it is because we have no intention of being travel bloggers, uh, influencer. That's not our goal. We have other passions. You know, we are photographers. We do video editing, video graphics and animation. And, and they travel was just to showcase that there are other ways of living on the road. And you don't have to be, you know, an Instagram or a travel blogger. You can have other passions and other careers that you can do. You know, you can be a web designer. You can, you know, day trade in the stock market. You can sell products that you have a full-fledged business and travel you don't have to like there's not just one thing you could do and so and they travel is to showcase that like we're we are photographers and we travel we're you know animators and we travel and that was kind of the reasoning because everyone just assumes that you're a travel blogger and that's not the case for everyone when did you guys decide to uh post more of your your travels on and they travel and uh and, you know, focus more uh, on that. And when did you decide? Because I know you guys are coming out with the website soon. I see it's got a landing page. When did you decide to get into, you know, starting your own website for it? Well, I mean, we, we've been traveling for a while and had tons and tons of photos. But it's always kind of those things where it's like, we should do this. We should do this. But eventually, you know, eventually you put it off for so long that it's kind of like, let's actually like, you know, put, make sure we carve out some time and, and do it. And that hasn't been me. That's been you. <laughs> I just been driving and working on our other stuff. And then for you, yeah, you were you, you really made it a priority. And I'm really, really impressed by all the activity we got on, on Instagram. We've recently passed 10,000 followers, which has been which has been awesome. Which the has been our which has been our been our goal. Yeah, goal for the last few months. So we like bumped it up. Um, 
just yeah, just really impressed with all the work you've done so far. That's amazing. Um, the whole travel blogging thing is like, it's 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 really intriguing. If you're not a travel blogger and you're traveling, it's like kind of you're like, wow, I I, I want to do this. You know, you you amass this wealth of information of traveling, and you're like, what do I do with this information I have in my head? All these hikes and things to do. It's like you you kind of want to start blogging. Because you're like, well, where where else is this information going to go? Except unless unless I write it down. On top of that, like mm-hmm. everyone asks you about like, hey, I'm going to New Zealand. What should I do? Hey, yeah. I'm going to like, you know, uh, Yellowstone. What should I do? And like you would write like, these like epically long like itineraries. And I'm like, we really need to make a blog because like this is so good. So uh, it's on our to-do list to, to start doing that. Like I said, like it's I, I very much admire some of these big big travel bloggers, and it's on our to-do list. But it's hard when you already run a full-time business to to make time for that. So we're still learning. Um, our, our focus is very much on the photography, and that's kind of where where we focus our time and efforts. But um, to start a to start sharing more photography tips and travel and van life tips and hiking tips is kind of like our thing. We're we're very much adventure photography focused, and that's where once our um, our website gets live, that's where the focus will be. And I mean, it's evident that you two are photographers. Looking at your Instagram feed, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, looking at your uh northern lights photos and specifically there's one from yellowstone national park where it's uh it's a stack image uh i I think you say in the caption 55 images put together it looks absolutely unbelievable and it's it's uh in one shot yeah yeah i mean can you give our audience maybe some Maybe one or however many crucial tips to really work to get their uh, their photography up to a certain level because I mean it's one thing to um, to you know use your your phone on your iPhone to just capture an image and post it on Instagram. It's a whole another thing to have a little bit more theory behind uh taking your photography with composition and exposure and all the stuff that goes into it can you is there anything that you can kind of uh steer our audience towards to learn more or something that they can focus on a big thing that, that i keep in mind um is is the idea of like good enough so when you're doing some work sometimes you you focus too much on being on on making it like perfect so i'm like well sometimes good enough is is okay in order to get something done but when it comes to photography, the way I like to use it is like sometimes you'll, you'll see something like a nice landscape or whatever, and you grab the photo from your first angle or your first point of view or your first settings on your camera. And it's like, OK, it's like good enough. But like, how can you make it better? And so changing your perspective, your lens, trying different um, focal lens, which means, you know, basically trying. Um, well, yeah, trying to change your f-stop or the, or, or the zoom in order to kind of compress the background and foreground to kind of play with the depth of field and where the focus is there's so many different creative things you can do so just hopping out and grabbing like one photo of a sunset challenge yourself to look for a different angle different ways to make it creative you know put a subject in the foreground use the uh, rule of thirds which is dividing the frame up into different sections and really try to you know find ways to take it to that next level and make it better than that first impression yeah it's it's much more than just hopping out and grabbing the shots. But um, 
a big thing is really just knowing your camera. You know, everyone always asks, what camera are you using? And that's, that's, you know, the sign of someone who doesn't really fully understand photography, in my opinion, because you could take the same photos with any camera, but you have to know how to use your camera. Learn, um, learn, you know, what different f-stops mean. Um, you know, if you, what lens, if I take the same photo with a, a 20 millimeter or 100 millimeter lens from the same exact spot, the photo will look completely different. So it's really just learning your tools. And you don't need what everyone else has. You don't need someone else's tools. You have to know how to use your own. And and then you just need to go out there and shoot, you know, try different things. You know, don't just take, you know, one photo and be like, all right, like David said, like, this is great. Next, next location. Don't have a shot list and just kind of just bounce around and be like, I need to get this shot from eight different angles and then we'll go to the next location. Especially if you see a popular shot on Instagram, you're like, I got to go get that shot. It's like a great place to start. And like, I'm not against that. And actually, it's kind of funny because a lot of people will kind of make fun of, of some people on, on Instagram saying, oh, everyone gets the same shot. But actually, if you go to that location, like sometimes there's only one real place to stand or, you know, so like a lot of times you'll, you'll, you know, start with that shot. And then you'll kind of move around a little bit, like the subject or the photographer, and kind of move around and see, like, all right, well, how could I make it creative, make it my own? Yeah, that's, that's all very true. And then um, that's that's the actual photo. And then editing is a whole other aspect. Um, you know, you, ha- you have to realize that some of these cameras have some amazing um, range in their latitude. Their yeah. latitude and, like, even if something is the highlights, the highlights are blown out or your shadows are too dark, you could completely change an image and in, in post-processing. So really learning Lightroom and Photoshop are a photographer's best friends. And that's how you really take an, a, a great photo to an even better photo. Another thing, too, is like in terms of at least on people's Instagram feeds is, you know, try, trying to have just a high standard. I mean, Alexandra has like such a high standard for what our photos can be. So that's why our feed looks just so good. Like for every great photo, there's still a lot of photos on the way to that photo. You know what I mean? Like on on our process to try to find that great shot. Or there's a lot of places where we've been where it's like, yeah, that was that was pretty. But it just wasn't kind of our brand and our in our style. And like, you know, it doesn't really say something or capture a feeling. Yeah. So you, you definitely have a really high standard for what is like the shot that's going to end up on Instagram or the uh, shot that you want to you know bother kind of editing and, and, and working with. I'm very much my own audience. I, I, I like to take photos that I like, edit photos how I like to edit them. So some people always just feel need to just share, like, you know, it's it's um, what's it quantity over quality. And you got to shift your focus. You know, it's more quality. You know, don't just post stuff to post stuff. And no one cares. I don't honestly, I don't care about the agor- algorithm. No one cares. <laughs> I personally don't. So if you really want to focus on photography, focus on the art form and less about the social media of it. Absolutely. I mean, another thing, I know we're throwing so much information out. Yeah. Like this shooting on manual mode for everything and really just understanding what all your different settings can do. I mean, even if you're shooting on the iPhone, you can get an app to kind of control some extra things there. But um, the biggest thing from that, that have gotten, have made us better is, is just, I mean, it sounds cliche, but just taking a lot of photos, just, it really helps you, but not just taking the photos, actually looking at them and then editing them and seeing what you know worked and what didn't a lot of times you're there and you're experiencing this beautiful mountaintop and this great thing and you grab some photos and it feels like amazing and then you go look at them later and you're like oh you know what like 
you know, this, this foreground is actually really dirty and muddy and doesn't capture, you know, what we felt up there. So actually like looking at the photos that you take and kind of looking at it through a, to a, you know, an, an eye where you're trying to criticize yourself and take better photos. So always trying to get better, doing it a lot and reviewing your work, I think is a, is a guaranteed way to, to, to make progress. I love it. And so much excellent advice from the two of you about photography. And if our audience wants to learn more, you guys post some really great advice, uh, especially recently with your photos from the Northern Lights. And I'm sure if our audience goes to your website and they travel.com and they, uh, they sign up for your mailing list and they find out when your blog gets launched. I'm sure they're going to find out more about photography tips. But to wrap this interview up, I want to ask you one last question. A question that I ask all the couples at the end of the interview. And that is, if you knew one thing you know now, if, if you had one thing you know now that you could have known from the very beginning, about anything about van life, travel, or anything in particular... What is that one thing you wish you'd known from the very beginning? For me, it's libraries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty silly. But I said, like, we were talking before about, like, when we travel, like, I, I love to go to coffee shops and, like, check out these different areas and, like, through the coffee shop and, like, see the community. And, like, I love that vibe. But this is for if, you, <laughs> yeah, if this... you're a digital nomad and yeah. you work and you travel full time, libraries it, it... are your secret weapon. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause when you're at a coffee shop, sometimes, you know, you go, you, depending on where you are, like Starbucks is usually cool if you just sit there all day, but other smaller places are like, are you, you going to order something else? And I'm like, I've already ordered like two coffees and two pastries. Like you can only buy so much, but when you're at a library, yeah, it's been like our favorite place to just like actually focus up, get some work done. And there's some beautiful libraries, some really nice local ones and really nice, like, um, architecture and stuff. So that's been our like favorite spot when we really just need to focus on work and get it done yeah. and we're like oh man all the money we've been spending on coffees and, and pastries and stuff we could have just gone to libraries <laughs> yeah that that's very much a digital nomad tip uh and and if you work on the road less not so glamorous and that's kind of the thing actually that's that will circle off onto you have to realize that sometimes it's not all very glamorized and that this is like you know real life and you, you know you're living and traveling and sometimes it's not always picture perfect and that's okay you know, you just have to laugh and go with the flow and just kind of make it your own. And this is the life you're choosing to live and always keep that in perspective. There you have it, Alexandra and David sharing their travel stories with you today on the To The Nation's Worldwide Travel Couple Podcast. I want to say a very special thank you to our guests. Thank you so much, guys, for taking the time out of your day and sharing that amazing advice with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, this was fun. This was a good challenge for us. <laughs> Now, I want to give you two the floor. Let our audience know where they can find you online and anything else you want to leave them with. Um, well, we have an Instagram. It is and they travel and A-N-D, they, T-H-E-Y, travel, T-R-A-V-E-L. Some good spelling. I know, right? Did I spell that right? Yeah, it's good. But um, that's where all our photography and our travel tips are. Our website, andtheytravel.com, is hopefully going to go live soon with mainly adventure and photography guides. Um, we are working on a Havasu Falls guide, which would be really cool and exciting. If you have any interest of going to Havasu Falls, there's a lot of information we're compiling to hopefully release that soon. Yeah, you so. spent like weeks researching that and we compiled it all into one awesome PDF. So we're working on that still. Yeah, but so uh, Instagram and they travel. 
Thank you to all of our listeners out there, to the nations worldwide. We cannot express our appreciation enough for having you listen to today's episode. Visit us at travelcouplepodcast.com slash 82. That's this episode, episode 82's show notes page. Leave a comment on the page. We'll be sure to get back to you if you be so kind. Please give us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to us. It really helps us get this podcast out there and into more people's ears and to attract more guests to the show to share their travel stories with you. This is Mike Pletz and Natalie. Hoping you have a wonderful adventure to the nations worldwide.